The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. Hey, hey, it's Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. You can find Midwest Swing on Twitter at Midwest Swing Pod and Zone Coverage at Zone Coverage MN. I'm your host, Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. And in studio is Tom Schreier at T Schreier 3, in addition to producer Justin Bailey at I am Justin Bailey. But Tom, finally not driving. Yeah, I'm back. I, uh, I, I picked up a little illness. And in case people don't know, um, you know, obviously I was driving because I went to Kansas City and then Chicago. Um, the, uh, the crowd that covers your Minnesota Twins. This includes Mr. Dan Hayes, mm-hmm. probably the head honcho of the uh, traveling party. Traveling party, and also, you know, let's get another crowd. But uh, Lavelle Neal, when he was in Kansas City, Mr. Phil Miller, Phil Miller, underrated party animal. Yeah, this man, this man likes to go out late at night. Doe, a man with, I think it's a chemical engineering degree from Stanford, likes to party. Barely old enough to drink. Barely old. Betsy, Betsy's. Uh, she she passes on all this this misbehavior, but holy smokes, does that crowd like to like to go out? And Mister your man Tom Schreier sounds like Funkhauser, as we were discussing off air. Justin Bailey heard some inappropriate jokes from Marty Funkhauser, who is a character in Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I sound like absolute garbage because can't hang with with Mister Dan Hayes and crowd. Well. Before we get to today's show, thank you so much for your reviews on whatever podcast platform you listen on. Those reviews are good for legitimacy, both in the eyes of advertisers and podcast providers. So drop a review on whatever platform you use, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you have a chance to leave a review. Give us five stars if you like the show. Make sure you leave a comment. you got to do that on Apple Podcasts so that it actually sticks. But also reach out to me on Twitter. If you don't like the show, let me know what we can change, what we can do better because we can't do the show without you. And again, thank you so much for your support. Now, Tom, we're coming off 4th of July. We're coming off you finally not driving. Did you get a final mileage total on your car? Uh, yeah, it was 2,300. So it was, it was a lot of driving. It was not just uh, just just a uh, pro tip. Driving from Kansas City to Cincinnati, not a short trip. It's about eight hours, but then you factor in, it usually ends up being nine because – I'll stop and mm-hmm. whatever, but um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a long trip. The if you are gonna like, I wish they kind of did like a Kansas City St. Louis back to back because that drive is actually super nice through Missouri. And how long is that? That's only, three hours. Yeah. It's not bad. And you know you have Columbia in the middle where George Ash procedurally generated, uh, where he went to school, and actually Kyle Gibson as well. Kyle Gibson, I learned. Uh, lives in the west suburbs of St. Louis, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, his his you know he went to Missouri. I think his wife is from there, and he's from the Indianapolis area. But he, I don't even know if he's in the metro. I think they were a little outside that. So, um, yeah, it was uh, it was nice. Went to Mister Naylor's wedding, which was up in Des Moines. So not only I had that trip, but also because I had my car, I was driving a lot, you know, around Cincinnati and stuff with with my friend and going back and forth between the games and whatnot. So. Um, the only bummer I'd say about Kansas City, it's a really cool city. I think it's worth the trip. That would be the last four games of the season, I think, they mm-hmm. play down there. Yeah. Um, 
it's actually more pleasant than Chicago. It's about as long, but you don't fight as much traffic for obvious reasons. The, the stadium is like 15, 20 minutes on the Missouri side. And there's no, even the hotels like in that area, you could even see the one I stayed. It's, it's in right field. It's a decent walk. You know, it's very like driver centric in that, in that area. So it's one of those things you probably would want your car there where Chicago is the opposite. You, you probably just want to take the red line down to. The I, I actually Park. like the on-site parking at Kansas City too. It's it's super nice. It's it's uh it's kind of fun that the uh, the Chiefs are right there, and obviously the Vikings are, are playing the Chiefs this year. You could you know, if you go to that game, you're you're right by uh, Kauffman Stadium. It's also a really cool old park, and I had been there before once, but I was in the concourse in the outfield facing the infield from where the press box is behind home plate looking out into the waterfall. I mean, you'll see it obviously on TV, but it's something different in person. I think they've just mm-hmm. done a really good job with with that stadium um, it, and really, really fun people there. Obviously, the Kansas accent, very polite. I am an idiot, as as listeners probably have well, figured out, and I just showed up, and it was like, uh, I'm part of the Minnesota media, <laughs> no credential, like didn't even really reach in my pocket to get my ID, and they're like, yeah, come in, sir, and I was like, this is awesome, like, <laughs> they're so accommodating, we're in Chicago, you're, you feel like you're like going to be frisked or something like oh, yeah. that, <laughs> especially in that, that area of Chicago, but um, yeah, I really, uh, I had a fun time on the trip, I think it was it was good, obviously, to get some some road coverage, uh, you were able to take two of the three Tampa games, right? Uh, mm-hmm. While they were here and, yep. and stuff like that. So a season like this, we're trying to get to as many games as possible. I feel like Kansas City's park looks smaller in person than it does on TV. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, the t- maybe it's because it's in that little cutout of uh, you know where you can see the highway. It's like yeah. almost like a valley, but it just feels to it, me smaller than it does on the, TV. The other bummer is that their downtown is really cool and. I don't know how you do it because I, we were joking like you can't put it in the middle because that would literally be half in Kansas, half in Missouri. Right. And, you know, Dan and I were joking this for like how they would do taxes and stuff like you'd literally have to sit on one side if you had a ticket over there because, you know, the Kansas side needs the revenue or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, or for players, they pay taxes in the state they play in. Yes, that's right. So, I, you know, I think, um, you know, I don't know how how all that would work, but it'd be it'd be nice if that stadium somehow incorporated the downtown because where it sits makes it look like in the middle of nowhere, which it, it kind of is. Um, but uh, again, the convenience of the parking straight. The other thing is you've been to the White Sox stadium, right? Nope. Okay. That one is much more confined. You can see it on TV. There's, there's like the uh, big advertisements in mm-hmm. the back. And so it's probably not any smaller than any other major league park, but it also is oriented weird it should be towards the city like in the if you're at Wrigley Field you see the whole skyline Mm -hmm. and it's and it's you know in a cool neighborhood and all that this is like for some reason it faces towards this like the Dan Ryan Expressway which you know it'd be like if Target Field was just pointing towards like 35W or 394 yeah 394 or something you'd be like what you know why is that what you want in the background but um that one that one is less spectacular Kansas City's is worth going to for the ballpark alone Mm -hmm. I'd say yeah How'd you celebrate your fourth? I went out on the lake uh, with my parents. We saw a lot of amateur fireworks, and you could tell. Some of them do, I'm sure, bought in the the wonderful state of Wisconsin, where uh, I'm still shocked, like, you know, they've never, I'm sure there are accents, but, like, how you can warehouse all these, like, fireworks in one place and it doesn't Mm -hmm. result in a thing. I also was wondering, growing up in Janesville, do people just light fireworks off randomly? You can legally do that, right? Um, So... 
I'm not sure what the actual rules are. We always yeah. had to go to get like the legitimate, legitimate like fireworks yeah. show ones. You have to go to Illinois to get those. Yeah, in South um, Dakota, I think. Has yeah, some. yeah, yep. South Dakota. Um, but you can get ones that do shoot up in the air in Wisconsin. Um, I think it's like one of those weird laws where, like in Florida, you can legally purchase anything, any sort of firework under the or guise anything, under yes. the guise of we are farmers and we're using these to scare off like flocks of birds. Amazing. So you fill out like a little form, like oh, I own a farm and I'm using it to scare off wild animals and you could buy it. Sir, you're in the city of Miami. <laughs> yes, I have a farm. Okay. I have yeah. carrots in the backyard. Uh, but yeah. yeah, a lot of people do go to Illinois and buy some pretty ridiculous things and but, but um, literally, shoot them off. I'm whenever. not kidding. There was like professional level fireworks. The problem is, like these aren't professionals lighting them. It's usually some teenage kid off their dock or whatever. And so I saw one skip off like the, you know, one of those awnings you have over your boat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm shocked. Like there's not more. There were, uh, there was a cop boat, I guess, going around, but it's not like they're running around being like, hey, stop doing that. Yeah, no <laughs> like, kidding. You're going to burn down your boat. But I suppose you see your boat. So <laughs> you deal with it if you do the fireworks wrong. But some super cool ones, some very dangerous ones. It's amazing the things that are and aren't legal in Florida. <laughs> so did you throw any back? <laughs> On the boat? Uh, I thought you meant like fireworks. Like no, I said no. it came in. <laughs> I was like, no. it's on. No, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, no, we uh, we we were sipping on a few. I didn't I didn't go too nuts. I did learn on the drive back. Actually, you can get a Red Bull hangover. I, I think I was actually worse off after driving back from uh, Chicago than wow. last night. Just a couple, yeah, a couple couple beers. Played some spike ball. I don't know if you played spike. I've ball. never heard of that. The little trampoline. Yeah, it, Bailey knows what's up. It's uh, yeah, a little trampoline, and it looks like a little volleyball, and you just you have to hit it off the center. I uh, worked up a good sweat, so I'm sure it was a stinky boy um, mm-hmm. through the fourth. But, no, really fun. Uh, I got out on the jet ski, too, which when there's so many people on the lake there, uh, we were we were getting a little air, you know, jumping off the waves and stuff. I threw my cousin and my sister off, like, a couple times. They freaked out. It was pretty fun. That sounds like a pretty busy day. Well, what people are talking about right now as far as Twins fans are all-star snubs, could talk about Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario, CJ Crone, Nelson Cruz, Mitch Garver. In the All-Star game, Jorge Polanco, Jake Odorizzi. Now that Odorizzi has come down with a blister, they've got Jose Barrios in to replace him. There's been a few different injury replacements so far. But first of all, I think Jorge Polanco, obviously we've discussed at length that he was 100% deserving, Jake Odorizzi deserving. I think it's great that they got Barrios in as well. Yeah, I so... At the time, it was really weird. Obviously, they made the announcement in Chicago. We knew Polanco was going to get it. To me, Polanco hands down deserved it. I said that like three weeks ago or whatever when first, I wrote an article. First starting about, shortstop since Roy Smalley for the Twins. And yeah, and that was 85, I think. No, so, 79. 79, okay. Yep. Um, yeah, it, you know, obviously it's been a while. Um, I think he he is a spectacular player, a good example of what happens when you go into the international market develop that player well, kind of 16 on mm-hmm. and then sign a contract at, you know, like 26. So that'd be 10 years. Turns 26 ago. today. Yeah. So, so in his prime, about 10 years after they signed him, I would guess, right. It's usually 16 when they sign him. Right. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, just like, it, it's weird. He's been around so often because I think at 20 years old, he came up mm-hmm. from like single A or something like that. Um, some of that probably created some comfort and got him, 
to where he is a little quicker, but this is probably more of a breakout than we, we expected. I felt Odorizzi was deserving, but to me, Barrios was the guy who he's young. He's trying to be the ace of the staff. He was an all-star last year. I was very surprised he didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So when, when Odorizzi walks out and you're like, that's it, I thought it was like a prank. Like I was like, yeah, where's when's Max coming out or whatever? That was funny twins. Right. And it, nope, that was him. And I think he did a good job saying, look, I – I got this award because of other players around me. I, I often pitch with the lead, the defense, especially the outfield defense has been phenomenal on this team. And I knew, I mean, I was counting out the numbers and I'm like, Oh, there's all these guys deserving and we should probably go through some of these guys. But I was like, I don't know if MLB as a whole is going to view it this way. And that's why I, what I wrote, the team is actually not built for like t- to be, you know, to have all stars named. It's not really carried by one player. Right. And we know this with look at, you know, I always go back to the 12, 13 twins, Joe Maurer, all-star, but it was like hilarious. Who else was hitting, you know, who else was on that team completely unsupported. And and people are going to get upset about, I think the white Sox got three, right? Cleveland mm-hmm. got three. Mm-hmm. Um, Royals got two. I don't remember. No, Royals got one, one. Okay. I mean, but there, there's, there's bad teams that got, but that's because they have star players. Now, I'd say just seeing the Royals, who was the Royals All-Star, I should know. Whit Merrifield. Okay, because I would say Merrifield's really good. Um, yeah, but they could have had Dozier, too. Yeah, Hunter Dozier. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I I don't know what your feelings are on this. I think they should have gotten more All-Stars, but I also get why MLB is going to take a year. Even the fans are going to take a year to really trust this team. Well, and any of those guys could have been, uh, like if the Twins were a one-and-done, like if the Twins were 20 games under 500 instead of 20 over, I mean, you easily could have said, well, Mitch Garver's their only good player. He makes it. There there are players who made it, like Sandy Alcantara of the Marlins, who are not having good years because they needed one representative. Right. But again, too, like and like I tweeted and you wrote, this isn't a team carried by superstars or even stars. It's all guys just having really nice seasons. I mean, in a, in a lean year, you could even argue that Jonathan Scope would make it. But it's just... There are so many guys having very comparable, good seasons. I mean, if Nelson Cruz doesn't mess up his wrist, he's probably got a lot better of a chance. I don't know. Byron Buxton stays healthy. Yeah, if he stays healthy. I mean, Eddie Rosario, if he takes a few more walks. There's a lot of things that could have gone differently. But honestly, this is also a team, the way they're playing right now, where I think they could use the rest as opposed to these guys grinding through the break. Let's touch on that in a second. But going through players that I think could have made it, maybe should have, Taylor Rogers, we never mentioned either. Taylor Rogers, definitely. I think Rosario, although Kepler's playing better, and you're right, Rosario still has like a 300 on base percentage. 310, so yeah, 300. Yeah, so I mean, Rosario more, and I think why I've reacted to him is that I was bearish on him compared to like the average person probably mm-hmm. in years past because I was like, he's just so undisciplined. He, in the outfield, you're like, what? In He'd every step way, the though, in every him. way, like he'll throw. Miss cutoff men, he'll swing at pitches out of the he zone. He gets lost in the base path. He's swinging at balls that aren't anywhere near the strike zone. I think he is a much more disciplined player and therefore a much more impactful player. I also just love his mentality on this team. I don't think he worries about the star when they go play the Astros, the Yankees, the Red Sox, whatever. I don't I don't think he worries about the competition. No, I think he's, he's ready. He's very self-confident. And uh Kepler is a is a strange player because I think he does where did you feel? with him on an, on an all-star bid. I think he should have made it. I mean, yeah. he's one of the top. I mean, war is a, a polarizing statistic, but in Fangrass where he's like the third best outfielder in the AL. Yeah. I mean, Mike Trout's obviously ahead of him, but, <laughs> sure. you know, if you don't like war, you can still look at 
on-base percentage. You can look at defensive numbers. I mean, he's having a really great season. He should be there. Yeah, and he, he can handle center when, when yep. Buxton's out. He's a really good right fielder. He's a passable center fielder. By the way, all this narrative that Trout doesn't get what he, you know, the attention he deserves, I think this voting actually showed us that's incorrect. He he was, I think, the highest vote-getter, mm-hmm. and he should be. He He's, again, I wish he was on a better team because people would talk. About I think it more. the West Coast thing hurts him too. I mean, playing so late at night. Yeah. You know, the games start at ten o'clock in New York time. Yeah. Who's staying up to watch them play the Tampa Bay Rays? You know. Yeah, yeah, Nobody. yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, right. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I felt like Kepler and, and Odorizzi said that he, he's like, I don't want to single out one guy, but I think Max Kepler should be part of this, and I, I don't think he will be. No, it, Ro- it sure doesn't seem like it. There's three days left for something to happen, but Rogers maybe. It's a replacement. It depends on because I think relievers are less likely to pull out because they, you know, starters opt out because they pitch, you know, right. like if Barrios pitched tomorrow, for instance, he wouldn't be lined up to pitch at all in the all-star game since he pitched well, yesterday. He may be able to give him an inning. Yeah. Um, you know, then we'll see. But but we saw what 11 pitches did to Gibson. He, you had to move him back. Right. Had to chose or to, chose I to mean, whatever, but it, maybe it that's the on. smartest thing to do, which which is what a manager should do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how about the home run derby? Are you surprised there's no twins in the home run derby? I, I guess the guys I would think is is CJ Crone actually was close to in the voting, right? To to make the All Star team. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, he's also cooled off lately. Yeah, Nelson Cruz would be my number one. I wonder if he would do it at his age. Yeah, and I don't know if it's smart. I think he's he's a guy that takes care of himself. You wrote about this earlier this year. He really like came on late in his career. He was kind of 26, 27. Yeah. And, and he had an interesting quote. Uh, you know, he, uh, I think this was Hayes, right? About the guys that have come to the MLB through the international draft. He's like, I don't know if I would have gotten selected now. He's uh, just like the, the quality of players so much better now in that. But draft. also, but also like late bloomers, if you're not who you need to be at 16, maybe you don't get a look. Yeah. Or you just get lost in the wash somewhere where no yeah. one thinks about you because like, it's not the same. The weirdest thing about the international draft, and I don't want to go into this rabbit hole. You mean the like, international uh, free agency period? Free, free agency yeah, period. Yeah. Is that um, uh, this is an off-season topic, but because less is invested in a player like that mm-hmm. typically than a player in the draft, teams are more likely to give up on them. Also, these players, like I think of, it's a guy – so one of the Braves players like signed a kind of really low Aussie Albies. Yeah, I think because he's like, I want the money up front. I gotta protect my life, my, my life. And, my and so he'll probably be a free agent at 30, but you're so much less valuable at 30 than you are at 26. So you know, part of the reason perhaps that Kepler and Polanco are willing to sign sign very team-friendly deals. Now, granted, I think much more fair deals than than what mm-hmm. uh, the other guy got, but like is because they don't. Ha- they're not bonus babies. They don't. They don't have that. I mean, Sano's was three point six mil, right? Something like that. Uh, the first round guy gets like ten, right? I mean, it's it- Royce Lewis got seven or eight or something. Seven like eight, Se- uh, six or seven. Yeah. So and in Sano's case, Sano's an outlier. A lot of these guys signed for like five hundred thousand or something like that. Oh yeah. And now it's a lot less with draft or with um, the caps on it. Yeah. With so the new CBA, they they can't spend more if they go over that cap, then they get penalized. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's uh. That whole dynamic is interesting, but regardless, I the bigger point was for Nelson Cruz. I think it's just he's a DH now. Um, well, I think for, as far as home run derby, he just yeah, he, taking all those swings just would not be good for him. Yeah. Um, Andrew Vasquez taken off the forty man roster. What do you think about that? I 
I kind of feel for a guy like that. He was he was the one in the Mets game, right? That really like, or was that DeYoung? I can't remember. But I'm sorry, say it again. Was it him in the Mets game that really struggled? Yeah, because um, Chase DeYoung had a similar experience, right? Where he kind of got shelled and then really fell apart after that in the majors. I, you know, I think I think a lot of that is mentality. It's also just a bad sign for they need help from Rochester from that bullpen, and. That's a weakness you can point to in this team that um, they have enough right now in the majors, mm-hmm. but you just don't know about injuries. You don't know about cold streaks. Also, just depth matters, especially because against good teams. Look, I, I think the A's probably will be in the mix for the playoffs, right? A wild card team or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, A's, Rays, and then certainly like the best in the AL may knock out a good pitcher in five innings, and you need enough, let alone like they've played. 17 innings, 18 innings, 12 innings recently. It's both a bad sign for the player, but also for like the organization as a whole, that there just aren't enough. There isn't enough relief help. I think taking him off the 40 means either Jake Reed's going to get a chance finally, because they may go off the 40-man roster for some kind of move, or the starter for the last game before the break on Sunday could be someone that's not on the 40-man roster now. Which is exciting. I don't know who... I think Cole Stewart makes sense, and he's on the 40. But I don't know. It'll be interesting to see because with Odorizzi's spot open, you got Perez, Pineda, and then to be determined, Sunday might be a fun bullpen game, which in in that case maybe they do bring up Jake Reed and see how many innings they can give him. I don't know what the plan is. And so with Vasquez off the 40, uh, they're going to have to get creative. Yeah. I, I don't have much more to say other than that. We're starting to see you're going to need depth, especially in the second half. And it's not just bullpens, like I just said. It's also, I think a guy like Cole Stewart, it's really time for him to step up. He's been in the majors a couple of times. It seems like he has stuff, mm-hmm. um, at least enough to get by in the majors. I don't think he's ever going to be, no one's going to go, oh, that's the f- number four overall pick. I don't know if he's going to ever have that upside, but I think that doesn't matter for this organization. They're simply looking at how many serviceable players do we have. We're not the ones that drafted him number four overall. And with his, you know, his development, and I think if he wasn't drafted that high, we'd say, oh, it's he's an accomplished player. He was mm-hmm. in the major of the 23. Um, I think it's time for a guy like that to seize an opportunity, especially because we don't know how healthy Pineda stays or any, any pitcher at any time, unfortunately, is liable to have arm issues. So another 40-man move, Ronald Torias taken off. I was surprised Torias passed through. Might be because he's not on a minimum deal. I think he was first-year arbitration eligible this year, so I think he's like a million bucks. But probably the backup plan for Ari Adrianza, let's say something happened yeah. to him. I think Luis Arias, though, has leapfrogged Torias in their power rankings. Yeah. Their, anyway, But anyway, so Torias off the 40 to make room for Ronald, or sorry, Adalberto Mejia. Were you surprised Torias cleared? Yeah, a little bit, just because he's a veteran, and, and you'd think any team would need him. I think that's more an indication too that there's a lot of bad teams in the MLB not trying, not don't, they don't need kind of the plug-in that that a utility player provides. I think it's also a good sign for the Twins that it's not just Raya's. People, rightfully so, should be focused on him. He he mm-hmm. has been. I mean, to be honest, when he was called up, I was like, I know he's a prospect. I didn't think he was like that high, you know, that high of a priority, I guess, for the team. And he's proven worthy of of that call up and and kind of has created maybe some question in your mind, like how good could he be? Mm-hmm. Um, and with Adrianza, uh, you know, again, I didn't really know what to expect coming. I didn't know if he was kind of like a 
played about four months, probably. Like a that's that's where he was when he was with San Francisco. Though. Yeah, that's the kind of player he was. Yeah, and, and for people that don't remember Pedro Flormont, like phenomenal defensive player, just can't hit at all. Could not hit, and and Adrianza was hitting so well that we had this weird question of like kind of uh, there's almost too much power in the lineup and like how mm -hmm. the hell do you get him in there every mm -hmm. day so i think it's those two guys stepping up more than Trias not living up to the expectation they had for him in the offseason yeah and i still think he could be in their plans as far as um you know if they let adrianza go and they make arias the starting second baseman next year Tarias could still be your utility infielder next year yeah so it's probably not a bad pickup i think someone like that Insurance is always a good thing, especially for a team with expectations to compete. So two and four road trip, still haven't lost three games in a row, but that was because they had a crazy... They have come so close yeah, multiple times. 12 inning win in Oakland. Taking one of three from, from Oakland makes sense, but Chicago, man, where you were like, what happened? Yeah, I mean, I think that, unfortunately, the same case, I think, in Kansas City. These games, you're playing two games in a row when you play 18. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, five of their last 22 have begun extra innings. Also, Chicago, like the Jimenez, is it Eloy Jimenez? Eloy Jimenez. Holy, you know, that guy's good. Yeah, he's physically you know, gifted. They, they have, Chicago's good enough to punish you, especially in their own park, right? Mm -hmm. So if, and Giolito's another guy, like really late bloomer, right? He's 28 or something like that. And it seemed like. Well, and he was a big time prospect yeah. who got traded for Adam Eaton and just needed time to kind of figure it out. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they have guys enough to win a couple games. Um, it was just kind of how it lined up. I mean, if you don't face Giolito, maybe you take two or three or sweep the White Sox instead. Yeah, and some adversity for the Twins is not a bad thing. I think if you go all year long, 7-0, 7-0, whatever, you know, these stupid scores you saw early in the season, it, it's not a good representation of what you're going to face mm -hmm. in critical games down the stretch against good competition in the playoffs. So um, I saw it more as... You just, they had to, I mean, with Gibson, you had to move his start. And, you know, they have to make all these adjustments because their players are tired. And um, so, I don't know. I, I saw it more as, I didn't see it as an alarm that Chicago played well against them. How much were your, will your concern go up if they take just one of three or get swept by the Rangers? I mean, does that change how you feel, especially with Cleveland coming out of the gate in Cleveland? Yeah, and Cleveland's six back, right? I mean, yeah, that, yeah. I, you know. I think it's concerning in context, meaning that if if this team was on a roll and somehow, I mean, our, our guy Lance Lynn, yeah, right, <laughs> is a superstar. They will not face him, right? But um, you know, the the Rangers maybe played a little better than expected, and I mean, I don't think it's time to panic, but I, I think it's just not a good sign when the the Twins are trending the wrong way, mm -hmm. especially because I don't think Cleveland thinks they're out of it. I, I understand there's some probably morale loss when a Brantley goes and, and the ownership's not spending or whatever, but there's still guys who have won there. And my guess is they still think they're the best team in the, in the central, even if there's evidence against they them. are until they're not. I mean, yeah. They are until a team spends a whole season knocking them down. I also, again, I, I just don't think it's a bad thing for the twins. I talked about facing adversity, but also to have more meaningful games than just the ones against the best AL teams. And if every game seems min meaningful, cause you want to keep, Cleveland behind, especially if you think you can force them to sell essentially. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think if anything, they just need to set the right tone going in the second half. Cause we know, and to be fair, I don't know if I necessarily blame people, whether it's nationally or locally, people don't trust this team yet and they need to 
Oh, you just read the tweets fight. on every <coughs> every Twitter post that the twins have. It's yeah. oh, you're swooning your classic twins and all that yeah. garbage. Yeah, it's a, hey, we got a Wisconsin man in the back here laughing. But do Brewers fans act like this? Like when the Brewers are first getting good, do people go, I, I don't know about that? Um, so honestly, it a lot of it this year, now that they had a good season last and year. And they're like four games over 500 now. Yeah, and now, I mean, the whole NL Central is just struggle. Like the from first to last, there's like a four and a half game difference. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be a mess going down the stretch. But That's always the NL Central, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it is. it was pretty bad last year. Um, you win a few games in a row, and then you have an ugly loss. Um, people get frustrated. Um, this year... Um, especially the stuff with Travis Shaw and Keston Hira mm-hmm. not coming up and um, people get antsy. I think um, fans forget once you're good, fans forget what it's like when you suck. Um, and it's, it's really bad when you suck. Right? And yeah. So um, people get, people get anxious and they expect you to win. And so, yeah, it's, um, the Brewers are seeing a lot of it this year um, and some of it deservedly. So, I mean, Keston Hira didn't deserve to be, in AAA for as long as he was. What um, did he like 18 home runs down there? Yeah, time? it was getting it was, and I understand wanting Travis Shaw was a big part of why the Brewers were able to make a run last year and if he can figure it out, he deserves a spot on that team, but he's not figuring it out. Um and they needed to do something about it. But yeah, getting off track. Yes, the Brewers Brewers Yeah, yeah fans, we're here to break down the yeah, Brewers, Brewers actually. Brewers fans are a little ridiculous. Um and I but I think it's just once you're good, you just want to continue being good and it losing sucks. Well, here I was going to ask you who was more disappointing, Jesus Aguilar or Travis Shaw. I I'm honestly I'm so I think Jesus Aguilar. I think they just need to move on. I think last year was a total fluke. Um, he's huge. He's going to hit home runs when he's hitting the ball. I mean, Chris Carter. Yep. was a yep. he is Chris Carter 2.0. It's it. Chris Carter was never going to be a Hall of Famer. He j- or even that good. He really. hits if he hits the ball, it's going out of the park because he's just a giant human being who can just who could do that, but he can't hit the ball consistently. Yeah. Um, so I sticking with Aguilar long term is a mistake. This yep. this brings to mind a, a player on the Twins, and I want to touch on this briefly. What are what are your thoughts on Snow going through? We kind of found out he was going through mechanical changes. Mm-hmm. I've heard arguments. Actually, it was our, our boy True Blood, Matt True Blood, who baseball perspectives. We were discussing minimum wage in in the minor leagues that like minor leaguers should just be paid as employees, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to seasonal workers. And he was saying if that was the case, it actually might be better for player development because sometimes players are sent down because it's hard for like the development people unless they really have the trust of the ownership. An owner is going to go, why am I paying this guy so much money to play in the major leagues when you can just send him down and he can work on his stuff in AAA? And the answer is often you will not see pitching of this quality for obvious reasons. You literally just will not see pitches in the minor leagues that you will in the majors. This may be a case of the Twins doing something that's most prudent, which is helping Miguel Sano's development in the major leagues, Mm -hmm. accelerating that process. But it looks ugly because for how many, even though he does occasionally connect for a home run. But it was four or five games where he looked completely lost. And it's often these long games where you're like, dude, you've struck out like seven times. I don't remember what it was. But if you, I think it was five times, right? Mm -hmm. But if you look at his company there, it's guys like Bob Allison, Brian Dozier, Max Kepler. Um, I can't remember, but it, it, it's 
it's star player. It's players who can strike out five times because they won't be removed from. The you mix mean like a right? confirmation bias thing where only good players get the chance to fail that much because bad players just get shipped out. Yeah, and and he has the confidence of Rocco Baldelli. He has the confidence of Rouson, who's who's work and Rudy, who you know are working with him. What are your thoughts about Sano working through these things in the majors? Ugly as it looks. I mean, they did the minor league thing last year. I think this is the next step in whatever the medium to long-term plan is in salvaging a career. And I think it's fair to say at this point that it is salvaging because he was an all-star two or three years ago. And at this point now it's figuring out what's left to tap into, whether it's untapped potential or just getting back to where he was. Cause back to where he was, was a pretty good player. But I think at the time that he was that good, we thought there was still more in there. Yeah. I mean, he was third in rookie of the year voting and that's 15. Mm -hmm. Um, and at that time, even though it was only 80 games, 335 plate appearances, it was such a different feeling around him. Like you'd be at a bar and people would almost stop and look and be like, what's Sano going to do? Right. Mm-hmm. It was this excitement. Of, now he's an afterthought. Well, right. But that's so two years later, he's an all-star. Two years later, 26, he should be in the prime of his career. People people want to stop and see what Cruz will do. To be honest, what Buxton at least was doing before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Kepler, Rosario. I mean, there's so many guys on this team now. Oh, he's seventh, eighth, ninth in that list. And, and to be fair, this is good roster construction that they're not – he's not forced to carry the team. We've talked about that a lot. But, I mean, yeah, it's ugly. If if We, we discussed this a little bit, but where do you stand right now? Would you? It seems like things are working for him now. It seems like the team has a – very definitive stance on what they're doing with him. This isn't kind of a willy-nilly, I'll figure it out, right? He, it seems like he's in a program to mm-hmm. get better. I think it's his hands up and something with, you know, catching up. Like they say, because he can hit these 97-mile-per-hour fastballs, I think he did in Chicago, you know, 450 feet, he still should be in the majors. But where do you stand on him right now? Yeah, I mean, I just think that they need to stick with the program. Having a defined program and having him not have to wonder – about where he stands, whether it's in his work or at the plate, I think taking that worry out of it, at least then he can worry about what's happening on the field as opposed to all the stuff that's kind of out there in the ether. You know, if I strike out four times this game, am I going to get sent down? But if I strike out three times, I'll stay up. Those are weird, like, micro worries that players have where they don't want to do the one thing that will get them sent down. And when you're worried about not failing, you're not succeeding. I think that's the main True. thing. True, yeah. Um. I, I went back to his mentality and, and just yeah. in talking to him a little bit. You got to keep him healthy between the years. Right. And, and, but he is not, there's no signs that this is wearing on him. I think he understands this is part of the process. The other thing, and I think it's worth touching on, Marwin Gonzalez was a phenomenal signing. Mm-hmm. Not only because he's on the team right now, but it's a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. Who knows where he's at after two years, and he, he may be gone, to be honest. But he was receiving all-star votes at third base. When he was injured, he realized how valuable it was because it's nice to just say, Miguel, take a day off. Can I rest and recover? And if anything, just kind of clear your mind. Marwin Gonzalez has got it at third. He or, could You could justify him as the third baseman. Right or now, Eddie Rosario gets hurt. He goes out to left field, makes that crazy throw in Oakland. Right, right. One hop throw to get, I think it was Mark Canna at the plate. He can do anything on the field that you ask him to do. I mean, he can play short in a pinch. He can play second, play first. I think you could throw him in center and you'd be like, yeah, that's fine. It's not Buxton. It's maybe not even Max Kepler or Eddie Rosario. But that kind of a Swiss Army knife on your team <coughs> is just so valuable when Miguel Sano's hurt at the beginning of the year. Eddie Rosario's hurt now. Byron Buxton's hurt two weeks ago. Whatever you need, he's just kind of that piece that you kind of just plug and play, and he's right. golden. He's just exactly what you need. Um, 
Lewis Thorpe, like I was excited. I'm always excited when a yeah, yeah. Let's gets talk about Lewis Thorpe because you got to see him pitch in Chicago. Yeah, he um, lefty. I think kind of known for his fastball. He, would, I asked him like, what what did you do right, and what would help you succeed in the majors? And he just says command. He was like, if I'm commanding the fastball and my off speed stuff is near the zone, he thinks he'll have success. He's 92, 93. I don't know if there were any 94s, but the breaking ball looked pretty good too. Yeah. Um, there were times you could tell maybe the nerve, he definitely was nervous. Like I just talking mm-hmm. to him a little bit, um, hard to blame him. I mean, I, I think, you know, he's a young guy coming up. We saw it with Trevor May, I think Brian Dozier, even early mm-hmm. in his career or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, the coolest part is that he did not know, and I know this because he was like, you know, my parents aren't going to come out for this. They already went to Chattanooga when the double-A team was there, and he got called up to Rochester. And in case you didn't know, Tennessee and, you know, like <laughs> Western New York, not close. So his parents had to, like, land in Chattanooga and take some weird flight, probably a connection flight mm-hmm. to to Rochester. They're used to this. So he thought, you know, I'm getting this brief call up. He knew he was going back down pretty quick. He's like, they'll, they'll come out at another time. Literally, they were in the air while he was saying this, and I, I believe it's a 16-hour flight. Um, from They're from Melbourne, Australia, which is the same place James Beresford, mm-hmm. who briefly f- played for the Twins, longtime kind of good soldier Doug or whatever. Bernier guy. Yeah. Um, same, same, so he's actually a coach, I guess, in Melbourne, but they flew mm-hmm. from Melbourne all the way out here, and uh, Dan, Doe, and I went down and, uh, and interviewed him, and you know, there was a cool moment be- the day before when they got in that he walks out completely surprised they're there. His dad was so emotional. He pretty much didn't talk throughout the interview. Um, it was, it was, which is funny because it's like, that is not like the baseball there is not what it is here. Mm-hmm. You're used to kind of that American story, right? You're playing catch in the backyard or whatever. This was more like he took interest in it because there was a camp or something. Right. And, and just was good enough to, to, at 16, he was playing in their pro league, I believe, mm-hmm. striking out players who were nine, 10 years older than him. Um, Crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, just, you know, but his dad, just incredibly, incredibly emotional. His mother, kind of the the family spokeswoman, I guess, was, uh, you know, just, they were just such fun people. They were so, for obvious reasons, so excited about his success, but also um, just kind of, along for the rider. I don't know how much you know, they were up for let's try, you know, fly 16 hours to LAX, connect into Chicago, then go to Rochester, go wherever that just the support they have for him, whatever was wonderful. How long were they going to be around? Well, they were in. So two weeks total, they were in Chicago. I think they're like, we're going to make a weekend of it. So I think they might've been there longer than he was actually. Oh, yeah. And then, um, I'm assuming they're going to Rochester. Um, so they might, they're probably still in Rochester then or yeah, still with him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and he, you know, he, he's so Australian. He's like, he, he's put in the hot yachts. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's that. not an American expression, but, um, what is that? Uh, as in like a long travel, like mm. the, I the guess, hot yachts measuring in yards than miles or something mm. like that. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, it was, it was very, uh, yeah, it was, um, Lynn and Ross are his parents. I, I just think, the the level of support they have for him, just their genuine excitement and thrill of like mm-hmm. him and, and a guy I think can make a, an impact for the Twins going forward. Yeah, no question about it. So uh, upcoming Rangers series, we've got Adrian Sampson and Martin Perez. Uh, Perez facing his old teammates from Texas. Uh, Jesse Chavez against Michael Pineda and Mike Miner against TBD. I want to talk about Michael Pineda briefly. In June, 3.58 ERA, 660 OPS against, 
25 strikeouts and four walks in 27 and two-thirds innings, and maybe most importantly, one home run allowed. Are people sleeping on Michael Pineda? Yeah, I, and I think part of that is he, he was signed and didn't play, mm-hmm. and that's because of the And then he was job. so bad to start the year. Yeah, and, and the other thing is he just doesn't, um, and it's probably a language barrier. He When Jake Odorizzi does something wrong or Jose Brios does, you know exactly what it is because they describe it so well. With him, I think there's just some confusion around him because I think he was an all-star at 22. Yeah. And then just has had so much injury issues that it's almost like the people see them as picking up a 35-year-old guy off the scrap heap. He's 30. He should be in his prime. Mm-hmm. He has stuff. And for some reason, there's just no excitement around it. Usually if a guy has stuff, even if the numbers aren't great, there's some excitement. Maybe it's just like he's seen as older than he is or something. I think there's a bias against his body type too, honestly. Yeah, which is funny because we've seen Lance Lynn succeed, right? CC Sabathia. Lance Lynn's having a great season for Texas. Yeah, and that I mean that man I think sleeps about 15 hours a day or something. He always just seemed like he was kind of half napping in the, in yeah, the locker yep. room. And, uh, you know, but yeah, CC Sabathia, you could go down the list of these guys, even like a guy like Phil Hughes was often criticized for him and Glenn Perkins. Weirdly were the, criticized. Yeah, builds. yeah. And, and, and it comes down to stuff. I mean, it really does. There are guys like Chris Hale or whatever, who are wiry or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's not, it, the other thing is it's not seen as a negative. It, it, it was, I guess with snow, but with Cruz, it never, gets brought up or whatever. I guess maybe people see the slugger as this bigger mm-hmm. yep. whatever. But, yeah, I mean, whatever the bias is, I think it's discounting what Pineda can do for this team. I also think he would be, given that I don't think he'd start in the playoffs, he probably is a very good relief pitcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no question about yeah, that. Yeah, so, I, you know, I agree. I think people are underrating him a little bit. I think that the all-star break is coming at a really great time. Again, like I said, five extra inning games in the last 22, uh, two of them going 18 and – 17 and 18 innings, I think it was. And so no question about it, they need this break when you look at the injured list and you've got Williams Astadio, you've got Jake Odorizzi, you've got Marwin Gonzalez a little bit hobbled. There's a lot of guys who can use these, I think it's four days off. It's uh, it's coming at pretty much the perfect time for a Twins team that's not only physically sputtering, but on the field too. I agree. And I, I think if you look at their second half schedule, they're going to need this time off. Maybe it's mental, maybe it's physical, but you start with Cleveland in Cleveland, two against the Mets, and then Oakland, New York. You know, again, it's the, you know, they're going to be, if they're not ready for the second half of these, what is it, 35 innings and two games or whatever, um, and then just the normal wear and tear of the season is catching up with them, they don't have any time to, to kind of lick their wounds. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yeah, shake it off. So, um, I agree. I think it's I think it's perfect timing. I think that the Rangers series this weekend is super important for keeping the mentality of this is an exciting team. Well, it's a pivot point. I mean, can you roar into the All Star break or do you stumble into the All Star break and deal with your injuries? I mean, how do you do you find that second wind and then carry that into the second half? Does that momentum even really matter? I mean, there's a lot of things that are up in the air. Well, and if they miss if they miss this opportunity in Texas the flip side is you you do have another opportunity to if you take two or three in Cleveland, you got all the, this big home stand where people are gonna be thrilled about the team as you know again. So And both sides will get their pitching lined up too. I mean, granted, for the twins that means more because for for Cleveland that'll probably mean Bauer, Clevenger, Bieber. It's still not Kluber. Yeah. Whereas with the twins it'll be, you know, Barrios, 
Gibson, Pineda probably or something yeah. like that. You get to reshuffle your deck. Uh, based on those names, it, it actually probably favors Cleveland, but you know we, we don't know what's going to happen. They have enough hitting to break yeah. through, I think. Cleveland And Cleveland had to play above their heads for all of June just to get within six games, too. I think people they, are losing sight of that. They also, if they play well against Baltimore, that's closer, right? It's probably five games or four, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, Cleveland's been a been a weird team all season long. Yeah, I mean, they went from barely hitting in April to one of the better. I think they were third in the AL and OPS in June. That's night and day difference, and it just doesn't, to me, seem sustainable. I agree. What are you going to do about this bullpen? I know we ask this every single week, but now that we're in the month of July, it feels like the trade deadline is that much more imminent. I mean, the the trade deadline might, or the sorry, the All Star break might be a good time for some of those talks to heat up. I still think it's going to be closer to the deadline that things happen. But if they don't come away with two relief pitching arms, I think I'm going to be on the side of fans that are a little bit uneasy. No, I, I mean, rightfully so. A, there's a lot of availability. I think there'll be mm-hmm. a lot of pitchers. Well, no, there's the just a lot of teams that are not competing right now. B, you just have to be realistic about the prospects. Again. Don't trade Kirilov. I think that's ridiculous, mm-hmm. but especially for a reliever. But um, if you have guys that in a in a rebuilding phase, y- you kind of are willing to wait them out and see if they become stars, have some other team deal with that. You need relief pitching right now. I think, you know, I had someone, and I, I, think, I think it's fair, a couple of people commented on uh, – I said the team was back at full strength with Gonzalez and, and Boxing coming back, and you know people are like, you need a setup guy and a, a closer. Mm-hmm. I think Taylor Rogers actually could be a sub, setup guy or a closer. He's yeah, it, it allows you to have more flexibility of what you add because he can fill whatever role you so have So I think left. you get one high-end guy, and then you'd mention Givens. Get, get someone who either is pretty solid or kind of a, a high-risk, high-reward type guy, but you're, you're just looking for depth, and it's just – goes back to what I said earlier. It's a bummer Rochester can't help. It. Gabriel Moya was just uh, take he passed through waivers, right? No one mm-hmm. wanted to touch him. He was right in the ma- Yeah, he was in the majors a year ago, right? And, and a, pitching fairly well. Yeah, um, you know, Hildeberger. He's Berger. been a mess this year though. And so is, I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at Hildy's numbers lately. I know he was really struggling at first. J- you know, Jake Reed. I think I think Hildeberger was hurt for a while actually down there. Yeah, that's right. And Jake Reed um is someone we want to see, but hasn't been lights out by any means so if you can't get it from rochester you got to use your your farm system in order to get some you know from other major league teams so cleveland again like we said out of the shoot on the road which also is i mean the twins have been a good road team this year but you'd obviously prefer to face them at home how has your level of concern jumped in the last week or so i mean i think cleveland sweeps all of a sudden the twins are yeah, oh, feeling yeah. a little heat, right? And, and I don't think that's out of the question. When you have a team that can pitch like that, you're probably in most of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, again, I, I think I said this about two, three weeks ago. I think it's good that Thad Levine came out and said, we're going to take Cleveland seriously. I, I don't know how close it gets, but there's two barriers, right? There's the one that you don't want, the obvious one, you don't want them to get so close they could pass the twins and, and when the AL central people are going to compare that then to the Oh one team, right. Which mm-hmm. was really good in the first half and then struggled. You also, there's a second barrier you want to create. And it, you know, I said this earlier that you don't want them to, to go into like buying mode or something, right. That, that they're really convinced they can come close. And I think the, the bottom line is they actually have to be thinking about Cleveland at all times because 
it, it the more creation uh, separation you create, uh, the better you know the the twins you know the more likely they'll win the central this year. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap up with a few questions from Twitter. Corey Englehart wants to know what we think of Archie Bradley as a trade target. Um, I get a very how would I say this. Michael Givens vibe from him. He's really struggling right now. He is only 26. I know that Arizona is probably going to be in sell mode. I'm not sure that they're necessarily super motivated to trade Bradley, who has two more years of control after this. But if the price is right on a guy with a 5.21 ERA, but a 3.42 FIP, still lots of strikeouts and not exactly being hit by the home run ball, that's the kind of guy I would target, just like Givens, who you know has, has struggled so far this year a little bit with the Orioles. I, I like the idea of going with the um, undervalued trade assets, and I think that's kind of how Falvey and Levine view things too. Yeah, and I think the question is what the – it's going to be really hard, I guess, with a guy who has control. But if, it, if you really are not giving up much in terms of your prospect pool to get this guy, I think it's really unlikely they go get three, but if if – you go Givens Bradley, let's say, I think you need someone else in order to ensure that you're getting something at the deadline, yeah. an impact pitcher. Yeah. Um, you may have to pay market value for a higher level of a. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. This is going to be a weird market too because half the yield isn't interested. Right. right. So I, yeah, I mean, I think you go after a guy like that if, let's say, Givens is too expensive. At underscore 2244 wants to know, he says, regarding roster changes, Please rank your areas of need. I want to see one frontline starter and two rock-solid bullpen arms. Doesn't want to give up Gratterall, Lewis, Kirilov, or Larnick, and wants to see Arias get a shot at leadoff. There's a lot to unpack there, and I'm not sure that you can make all those moves what, without trading. What about this? Outside of Arias, I don't agree with that. I I mean, I guess I'll put it this way. If he leads off a game, a couple games here and there, I think that makes sense. There's no room for him to play every day. There right. just isn't. Right, and and I just wouldn't mess with Kepler. Uh, maybe right. he's not the ideal leadoff guy, but why? But Arai is, is just contact. He doesn't take any walks. Yeah. I don't know that he sees it. I mean, he sees some pitches, but he also just kind of swings. You just have to look at the price of a high-end starter. I think the problem with that is that most of those teams are going to ask for one of the four guys he identified, and I'd say with Larnick, Larnick is not in that group, I don't I, think. Yeah, so I agree. So if you can move Larnick for a, Larnick as part of a package for a starter, I'd do it. The other three, I completely agree. I know Gradgerall has been hurt. Um, don't touch them. But I'd say everyone else is on the table. I don't know if that's enough to get a starter, but I don't disagree with the notion that that would make, you know, it would make an impact for the Twins. I think bullpen is way, way more of a need as much as it stinks to trade for bullpen help. That's just the reality of where they're at right now is yeah. they need it. I mean, they, Completely they, agree. I mean, when you look at starters, who are you taking out of that rotation? I mean, Perez has been wobbly, but you still look at the overall numbers and total package, you're like, probably not removing that guy from the rotation, and you're going to need him to start for you next year, so you don't really want to mess with him. I go back to your guy Stroman. I guess if, you, if you're if you paying a hefty price, yeah, it makes sense for a long-term solution. Again, this was the 01 twins, not the 10 twins, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah. 10 twins yeah. had to win because they were in the new stadium and those, those the guys do- were the, But stars. the door was wide open. The contention window was wide open. And in fact, they didn't even know it, closing. Whereas yeah. this one is the cracking o- open. You can force it open, but if you overstep your boundaries and 
make a trade where, like, let's say you trade three really good prospects for a guy who comes in and pulls a Jose Quintana or Yu Darvish on you. Yeah, let's say Bumgarner. Like that totally. Yeah. And well, if Bumgarner shows up and, and wins two ball games with a five ERA and then leaves as a free agent, you've given up a big chunk of your future for no guarantee. And they want as big of a window as possible. They want to dominate the central for as long as possible because the more these guys are in the playoffs, the more that will become a routine thing rather than novelty. And you'd mm-hmm. probably see more success then. Yeah. Well, and, and like Royce was saying, I, I see the white Sox as dominating this division. It's like, yeah, if you look at the White Sox, though, they're just like the Twins. It's all going to take prospects clicking. The Twins And probably signings like the Twins made, the Crones and the Cruises. But, but the Twins and the Royals in recent years have shown how hard it is to rely on prospects. The Royals needed four years of Moustakas, Hosmer, Kane. Totally. All those guys. They traded Odorizzi to get some help. I mean, all of those things had to come together. You can't just rely on prospects. Totally agree. So, so I'm yeah. not I'm not buying the White Sox as as ready to make that jump even next year. No, I think we'll start to see signs of it next year. That that's my guess. I think what's exciting is that I think we're gonna see the Cleveland drop, and I think we're gonna see Twins White Sox for years to come. And I think that's what any, at least I'm, I'll just speak for myself. That's what I want to see is that kind of neck and neck rivalry mm-hmm. reemerge. Mauer 786 underscore M, which is a lot to take you in. You think it's Joe? I don't think so. <laughs> Wants to know who that isn't currently on the 40-man could be added to make a push for the second half or playoff run. He brings up the name Bruce Argrero. I think that's really the only option, and they got to get him healthy before they consider that. He's saying from the minor league system to help. That's not on the 40, though. I mean. Because Kirloff is? No, but Kirloff is not getting called up to help them in the second half because their outfield is Rosario Buxton. The only reason why I say that is, God forbid, I hope this doesn't happen. There's an injury. Yeah, I mean, I still think Lamont Wade and Jake Cave are... And Brent Rooker. Brent Rooker. How about Brent Rooker? That's a good choice. Yeah, yeah Brent Rooker, because Brent Rooker is either like Chris Parmley or he's like kind of, as he gets older, like Josh Willingham, I think. Yeah. Is like, yeah, so... I, do you know anything about his defense? I'm making William ha- Willingham comparison. I, it I seems don't like think he's it's all bad. I don't think it's very. Yeah, it's not a standout tool. Let's just say that. Just a pot like Lamont Wade briefly. Um, he, it's funny, like his brother. He, he, I didn't realize he had a brother in the minor league system. He's in the Seattle's. Mm. His brother was allowed actually to come to his first game. Nice. So it was cool. Was Jamal and I guess they're really into table tennis. Like I asked if they were competitive, and I thought it was like a pitcher hitter thing. Brothers, obviously, pitcher. He's like, no, we, but they love table tennis, and I was there. But I think he's an interesting player because I still see value in the on base guy in mm-hmm. Major League Baseball. And it's he, Robbie Grossman, too. And Robbie Grossman, by the way, was good. It's funny, yeah, Chris Herman and, and Robbie Grossman beating Liam up Hendricks. on the twins. Liam Hendricks. Liam Hendricks could be a, I don't think they'd trade him, but like in another year would be a trade target, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, R- Rooker actually is a, a fun name there. Chris Olson wants to know what Twins player has the most home runs at year's end. That's interesting because I think it might be of, I think it might be Max Kepler. Could be Kepler. I wouldn't be shocked if it's Cruz. Um, so let's see. Right now, could be Rosario. Twenty-one for Kepler, twenty for Rosario, seventeen for Crone, sixteen for Cruz. I know Kepler's leading now, and it might be a cop out to take him. But I also think Rosario's on the IL. He's going to need a little more time. Although they said that was – you never know because injuries are weird. But 
They said they put him on the IL to get, I think, Lamont Wade up or something. Well, yeah, they, they needed, needed bodies. With the short bench, they have to. Yeah. So I'm sure he'll come back as soon as he's eligible, which will probably be right on the other side of the, the uh, I almost want to say trade deadline, all-star break. I'm taking Max Kepler in that one. I just, uh, just I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Rosario. We can talk about it at the end of the season. I think Rosario's the star. All right. Last one, also from Chris Olson, says if you could pick one player for the Twins to make a trade for, who is actually available, so not someone like Mike Trout. Who is it? It's Stroman for me. It's really, so we're talking like high end impact. Um, it's hard to argue with that. I I, I take him over Bump Garner right now. That extra year of control looms large for me for sure. All right. Well, that's all we got for this week's episode. So for Tom Schreier, producer Justin, this is Brandon Warren saying thank you for checking us out. Tune in next time for an all-new edition of Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Rock over London. Rock on Chicago. Chicago.